one semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two experts. I'm Kristen Pitts. I'm Brandi Egan. Let's go to court. On this episode, I'll talk about Jared Fogel, the subway guy. And I'll be talking about a brutal attack on an average Midwestern family. My goodness. I have a concern. I'm just going to say Are you going to say right for off like the, top. the third week in a row, oh, guys, I have a cold. Well, see, okay, here's my concern, because we're recording a bunch of episodes really close together. Yeah. It's going to sound to our listeners like I've been sick for weeks <laughs> and weeks. <laughs> Listen, we're having some crazy fall into winter weather here, which really hits my sinuses hard. Like when the weather fluctuates like this, because it was, it was like a couple of days ago, like... 20 degrees. Uh-huh. And then now it's 50 degrees. And so my sinuses just rebel and, I don't know, attack me. <laughs> I remember getting so mad in North Carolina because someone said to me, you know, we have a saying out here, if you don't like the weather, just wait a day. Oh. It'll change. And I was like, no, you don't. You do not have no. that saying. In Kansas City, we have that yes. saying. And it's true. It's so true. Yeah, they're like, yeah, yesterday it was 71, today it's 75. You just wait a day, it'll change. No. No, how about try like it was 14 yesterday and 64 today. Um, I have been inspired to do a little series okay, here on the podcast. Oh, God. What you got, Brandy? Okay. So I talk a lot about how great Johnson County is. You do. You talk, maybe rub it in is probably yeah. the better way to put it. So Johnson County's my bubble. If you've been listening, you know that. That's where I live. That's where I grew up. I love it. Never going to leave. Never going to leave it. <laughs> Hate to venture outside of it. <laughs> um, but... Last week, I covered a horrible case that happened Mm -hmm. in Johnson County. So I thought that I would maybe try and balance out my views on Johnson County and do a little series on some terrible things that have happened in Johnson County. (laughs) I'm going to build on that case that I did last week, and I'm going to do another Johnson County case this week. Wow. I love it. By the way, how often – I mean, obviously, you venture out of Johnson County once a week for sure to come to my house to do the podcast. Yeah. Often, well, I, every day because I don't work in Johnson County. Oh, right, right, right. Are you trying to change that? Are you uh, trying to like <laughs> lift the salon up? That's right, and, yeah, yeah, move it over. No, I don't mind going to work outside of it. I and so I and I don't mind visiting people outside of it, but doing my own personal business, I like to shop in my little bubble, mm-hmm. I like to run my errands in my little bubble. It's where I feel safe, Kristen. And now I'm going to point out over the next few episodes of how I should no longer feel safe there. <laughs> Okay. I'm going to start off by saying that I got the majority of the information for this episode from an episode of Ice Cold Killers. I've never even heard of that. I was not familiar with it either. Let me guess. Discovery Channel? Um, Investigation Discovery. Yeah. Yes. So really great show. I knew a tiny bit about this case and I was like, I wonder if I can find enough on this to do an episode about it. And I found this great episode of this show. Okay. really helped me out. I'm so excited to do this. Get ready for a brutal attack, Kristen. (laughs) You are such a creep because you say that and you have like a twinkle in your eye. (laughs) The Duffield family was a close one. 
everyone who knew them said they just genuinely liked each other and loved spending time together. John and Carol Duffield had married in 1965 and welcomed their first child, a daughter named Kelly, that same year. They were hardworking people and just wanted to provide a stable home and a happy life for their growing family. So they settled in Olathe, Kansas. Olathe is a suburb of Kansas City located in the southern part of Johnson County. It is the same town where the Avignon Villas Mm -hmm. from, I believe it's episode 13, the Homeowners Association from Hell. So we talked about Olathe there. Those are located there. And it's also the same town where John Robinson, Internet's first serial killer, I believe episode 29, he lived in and was arrested in Olathe, Kansas. So the Duffield family continued to grow as they welcomed a son named Paul in 1967 and another daughter named Janelle in 1970. And by 1983, they were thriving. Carol had fulfilled her lifelong dream of becoming a registered nurse. She went to school while raising her children and was now working overnights at Olathe Medical Center. And John was working in car sales. Kelly was getting ready to graduate high school and Paul and Janelle were active in their school activities. It seemed like they were living the dream. But on January 28, 1983, that dream would become a nightmare. Ooh. <laughs> it was just before 5 a.m. John was asleep in the master bedroom of the Duffield duplex located at 1424 East Haven Lane. Hold the phone. One more time. Okay. 1424 East Haven Lane. You guys with your Johnson County. (laughs) We live in Haven Lane. Olathe. Olathe, yeah. And by the way, it's spelled Olathe. Yeah. Or Olathe. Olathe. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Let me see here. So it's a duplex. I don't know which side of the duplex is theirs, but. It's nice. Yeah. Cute duplex. Mm-hmm. Um, had to do some really creepy digging to uh, I get love, that address, by the way. I love how you say had to do when I know you love doing the creepy digging. Oh, at first I couldn't find the address and it legit killed me. I was like, I have to know where how did you they f- were living. How did you find? Just some real deep internet searching. <laughs> Phone book? Uh, essentially. White yeah. pages? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I actually know someone that lives like two streets over from that. So I'm going to be cruising by this. You'll be like, hey, house. I know we haven't hung out in a while. <laughs> okay. So it's just before 5 a.m. They're at, Ooh, they're in the man, duplex. Man, I, I know that Black Bob Park. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Sorry. <laughs> this is not interesting to not anyone. Not interesting to anyone that else. I no. know where this is. Okay. So go ahead. Everybody's asleep. Carol's at work at the hospital. And suddenly, John wakes up. He hears a loud noise and a scream coming from Paul. He jumped out of bed and rushed downstairs to find Paul badly beaten but clinging to life. His head had been smashed open with some kind of heavy object, and there was blood everywhere. everywhere. John immediately attempted to call for help and picked up the phone to call 911, but the line was dead. (gasps) Oh, no, 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 no. This is the scare. Oh, uh-huh. no. It's, it's real creepy. Yep. Panicked and aware that time was of the essence to get Paul help, John ran out of the house to the next door neighbors to call the police. 
After placing the call and getting word that help was on the way, John ran back into the house to check on his daughters. He got to 12-year-old Janelle's room first. He found her badly beaten in the face and the head. Blood was spattered all around her room. Oh, my God. She'd been pulled off the bed and her legs were splayed open as if whoever had carried out this attack had intended to sexually assault her. But hadn't? Mm -mm. No. That's interesting. Unlike Paul, though, Janelle had no signs of life. She was already dead. Next, he ran to Kelly's room. But there was no sign of Kelly. She was missing. How old was Kelly? Kelly's 17. Oh, shit. Police were on the scene quickly, and EMTs rushed Paul to the hospital. It was clear that he had taken multiple blows from a heavy, blunt object. It was shocking that he was showing any signs of life, and they knew his chances of survival were dwindling. He was immediately taken into surgery to try and repair his injuries. Does Kelly have a creepy boyfriend? I don't know, does she? (gasps) I just... Got a feeling? Got a feeling. About a boyfriend? Got a feeling about a creepy boyfriend. Okay, just putting it out there. Putting it out there right now. Why do I do this? I always feel terrible when I'm wrong. Do you want to call him a super douche right now? No. (laughs) Or do I? And did I just edit it out? (laughs) So they know that his injuries are super severe and it will be a miracle for him to survive. But they rush him into surgery, Mm -hmm. get that going. Meanwhile, investigators searched the Duffield house room by room, closet by closet, for any sign of Kelly. Unlike her brother and sister's rooms, her room was free of blood. Let me back up just for a second. Okay. Janelle was in her room. Paul was actually asleep on the couch. I don't know that he regularly slept on the couch, but he had been asleep on the couch in the living room. How close is his room to Janelle? Or how close is the living room couch to Janelle's room? Close. Very close. Okay. Um, so my understanding of Kelly's the layout. Kelly's creepy boyfriend comes in. He's going to kill and assault uh-huh. Janelle. Paul, well, no, Paul didn't walk. Okay. Mm. I'll stop talking out of my okay. ass right now. I'll tell you my understanding of the layout of okay. this duplex. Okay. You go in, there's like the living room right on the entry level. Right. Paul's asleep on the couch there. Gotcha. You go up like a half flight of stairs. Two girls' bedroom. That's where Janelle and Kelly's bedrooms are. Mm -hmm. You go up another half flight of stairs. That's the master bedroom. Okay. Got it? Got it. Excellent. So they're searching the house, and they think maybe Kelly's hiding. Maybe she heard the attack and went to hide somewhere. Mm -hmm. Something like that. They don't find her anywhere. Okay. There's no sign of her. There's no blood in her room. Nothing. Hmm. Police were then concerned that perhaps Kelly had run from the home to flee the attacker, which could mean that she could be out in the frigid January conditions in just her night clothes. And like we know this, Kansas winters can be very cold. Yes. And super windy. Yeah. Like that's the thing about the cold here is that it usually is accompanied by this crazy wind that just like cuts to your bones. Yes. And on this particular January night, there were several inches of snow on the ground. Oh, no. So it's just terrible conditions for her to be outside if she had run from the house and, like, fleeing this mystery attacker. Right, right. Police launched an immediate search of the area for Kelly. Back at the house, detectives start processing the scene, 
and it shows no signs of forced entry mm-hmm. and very little signs of struggle. I wonder how that could be. Oh, you still sticking with that boyfriend theory, huh? I'm feeling more confident in my theory by the minute. Excellent. I'm, I'm like a you. detective who has made up their mind and like they're going to convict the guy regardless. Wonderful. <laughs> so they did note two things during the investigation that they decided not to release to the public. They fig- This was a strategic okay. move. Yeah. They figured if yeah. they had these two little things that kind of were important details that they didn't release, that would be one of their things that would kind of right. be a clue when they had the right person. Yeah. So first, the phone line had been disabled. We know that already. Yeah. And that did get released to the public, that it had been disabled. But how it had been disabled was not. When they released that the phone lines were disabled, the police or the I'm sorry, the newspapers just printed that it, the phone lines had been cut. Oh, OK. So it's just a mistake, but it worked in the police's favor uh-huh. because they hadn't been cut at all. They had actually been like torn. So on an outside telephone box, like in a in like an old standard landline, mm-hmm. the wires are coated in like a fabric. It was like this fabric had been like worn apart and then the wires had been pulled apart once they'd gotten inside this box. It had clearly been like torn apart by hand, not cut by a sharp tool. So Kelly's boyfriend is Paul Bunyan? Or the Hulk, maybe. <laughs> yeah. They also noted that Janelle had been sleeping on a rubber sheet. So she's 12 years old, mm-hmm. but she'd been sick the night before and she had vomited in her bed. And so her mom had put the rubber sheet on the bed in case it happened again so that it would be easier cleanup. Right. They could just pull it off and she could go right back to sleep. Okay. When Janelle's body was found on the floor of her room, the rubber sheet was beneath her, meaning the attacker had probably used it to pull her off of the bed. Hmm. Okay. So they didn't release that information about the rubber sheet to the public. As I mentioned, there was no sign of forced entry into the home, but the back door was unlocked. And there was a footprint in the snow just outside that door. They were sure that this was how the attacker had made entry, which meant that that footprint probably belonged to the attacker. So they attempted to make a mold of the print. Uh So they like they have to pour plaster on it to make a mold of it. But it's just in the snow. And as soon as they poured the plaster on it, it melted. It just just totally melted. Please tell me they had at least like photographed it. They had photographed it. Yeah. But as far as getting a mold to actually match it up with another shoe. Not possible. No go. If that back door was unlocked, though, did that mean that perhaps someone had let the attacker in the home mm-hmm. or left it open for them intentionally? Mm-hmm. Or was this just a case of small town trust? Mm-mm. The current <laughs> population of Olathe is around 140,000 people today. Right. But in 1983, it was estimated at right around 35,000. Whoa! Way smaller. Okay. It's seen huge development over the past few decades. Okay. So in that day, it had a very small town feel, and it was nowhere near as developed as it is today. Okay. So do you think people just felt safe there and were just leaving the doors unlocked? I mean, it's hard for me to imagine that. I have never felt that way. Me either. Anywhere I've no. lived. But I 
I was raised on Dateline, so... True story. Me too. I mean, it's possible. Yeah, I think I read my first true crime book. Elementary school, right? Yeah, which I will be doing on this podcast. Have not done it yet. No, you've already done it. It's Helter Skelter, That's not the first true crime book I read. That's That's not the first one? No. What'd you start with? I'm not going to tell you because I'm going to do the case. It's a local case. And I wanted to read it because it's local. I read it, I think I was 10 or 11. You know, you're the person who got me into reading uh-huh. crime books. Really? I still remember it was um, the fifth grade, and uh-huh. you told me about the book. Um, I think it was called The Face on the Milk Carton. Do you oh, yeah. That book? Yes. I was like, huh, interesting. Yeah. I remember I like devoured it. Yeah. Creepy as hell. Yeah. Super creepy. Turns out I like being creeped out. That's right. Me too. Knew it for me. It's in my blood because that true crime book, that first one I read, mm-hmm. that I'm not going to tell you the title of, got it from my aunt. Your aunt gave it to you? Yeah, she had it. And I was like, I think I'd really like to read this. And she's like, you should read it. It's really good. And it happened here. Because <laughs> I used to go through, because she had a whole like bookshelf full of true crime books. She loved true crime books. Oh and my so gosh. I would go through them and just look at the pictures because usually they have like disgusting awful pictures sometimes they're disgusting disgusting and awful (laughs) (laughs) disgusting sometimes they're disgusting and awful and sometimes they're just of the people you know right right and so i would really like looking through the pictures and so that one stuck out to me for some reason and she's like that one happened here you should read it oh my gosh i'm so excited okay okay continue anyway okay so paul's in surgery they've searched the house no sign of kelly anywhere paul miraculously comes through surgery, Mm -hmm. but he's in a coma. They have no idea when or if he'll wake up. And if he does, they have no idea what kind of brain function he'll have. Will he be able to remember anything? They'll just have to wait and find out. He will remember. Will he? Yeah. Will he remember that Kelly's boyfriend beat him over the head? That's exactly what he'll say. Wow. With like a Ming vase? Ming vase? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think the blunt object is? Not a vase. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound like a tool of a creepy boyfriend. Oh, okay. What do you would you like to make a guess? Baseball bat. All right. All right. With one child dead, one child missing, one child in critical condition, and Carol's Is it gross and bad that I'm making like a guessing game out of this? Is no, I think it's great. Okay. No, I think it's really good. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Carol's whereabouts confirmed she was at work at the hospital the okay, night yeah. of the attack. That left only John's whereabouts that night unconfirmed. Oh. You haven't even considered the dad, no, Kristen. No, I was so locked in. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so, God, but why would... Uh, oh. So detectives questioned him about it, and he essentially had no alibi. Well, he was asleep, right? I mean... He told detectives that he went to bed when Carol left for work, just like he always did, and that he'd slept soundly until he heard that cry for help at five in the morning. At best, it was a super weak alibi, and there was no real way to corroborate it. So detectives are sitting there in the interrogation room, and they're like, okay, you expect us to believe that this brutal attack happened in your home, and you didn't hear any of it yeah okay bud but john's like some people are hard john's like i swear i didn't hear anything until paul 
cried out for me. I did have my TV on, though. I always sleep with my TV on. There was a basketball game on, so maybe the sounds of the game masked the sounds of what were going on in the house. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that, Kristen? Does that seem like a viable option? I mean, I'm so locked in on the yeah. boyfriend that I don't even know that Kelly had. <laughs> um, I don't know. I Maybe this is a mistake. I'm kind of on the dad's side, even though I, I agree that's crazy. You didn't yeah. hear stuff. But at the same time, I hate to call that a terrible alibi. I mean, what else do you do at night yeah. besides sleep? Sleep, exactly. That's not really, that's like everyone's alibi for nighttime. Yeah. So yeah. It's true. So what do you think detectives can do to try and verify that? They say, hey, you know how we all have cameras set up in our master bedrooms? <laughs> know what people can do so they're like all right we're gonna test out this little excuse of yours so they go to the Duffield house they go to the bedroom Uh they turn on the tv at the level of volume that it would have been on right and then they have a police officer go down to the main floor and make all kinds of noise all kinds of crashes and bangs and different noises yeah and they couldn't hear any of it. Whoa. No sound carried to the master bedroom. Well, I mean, it is multiple floors. Yeah. 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 They couldn't hear any of it at all. Okay. John's story checked out. But they still weren't sure. Sure. That doesn't necessarily mean yeah. he didn't do it. But he agreed to take a polygraph. He told the lead investigator... You can do anything to me. I do not care. Just get it done so you can clear me and get on to looking for the real suspect. Yeah. He's like, I'll do whatever you fucking want. Yeah. So they hook him up. They do a polygraph. and The results show that he was being completely truthful. Mm -hmm. And John was finally cleared. He was just as much a victim as anyone else here. He was a grieving father. Yeah. And one of his children was still missing. Oh, God. You got one dead. Yeah. One in critical condition in the hospital. And you have no idea where the third one is. With her boyfriend. Oh, you think? Yes. Mm-mm. I'm becoming even more confident. By this time, the search for Kelly had been expanded. The public was asked to check their larger properties for any signs of anything unusual. Because... Near where this happened is some pretty rural areas at that time. It's all way more developed now. But at that time, there were larger properties, more rural. And so people were asked to check all the way to the edge of their properties, look for anything that had been disturbed, look for anything unusual. ATVs were brought in to check like through wooded areas. Helicopters were brought in to do aerial searches. Nothing. There was no sign of the missing teenager. Days had gone by. So detectives began to question if maybe she'd been involved in the attack Mm -hmm. and wasn't so much missing, but had run away. Perhaps she'd let the attacker in the house that night and then left willingly with that person. John and Carol were adamant that this couldn't be the case. But detectives couldn't just rule it out yeah, based just on the parents their word alone. Yeah. yeah, so they started talking to Kelly's friends and acquaintances and coworkers. She was a car hop at like a local like drive-in restaurant. Okay. And turns out 
that Kelly had a boyfriend. Oh! Hmm. <laughs> Weird. I'm sure he was a great guy. Just as you suspected all along, Kristen. Am I a brilliant genius? I don't know. Let's stay tuned and find out if you're a brilliant genius. Okay. <laughs> so they bring in Nathaniel Avery, Kelly's boyfriend, for questioning. But they clear him almost immediately. What? He is willing to answer every question they have. He's this really small, timid guy. Oh, no. Like, there's no no way that he did this crime. (laughs) Yeah. You're kidding me. He's so distraught that his girlfriend is missing. I'm sorry, Nathaniel. There's not a chance in hell that this guy had anything to do with this attack. Nathaniel, I apologize for being (laughs) a rash idiot, not a brilliant genius. Damn it. Okay. So they're back to square one. No Kelly, no suspect, not much else to go on. Then they got a call from a neighbor who remembered something. She remembered that she saw a strange man walking through the neighborhood the day of the attack, like earlier in the day. And he looked like he was looking around real good. And the neighbor just got a bad feeling about it, just a gut feeling that this yeah. guy was up to no good. She'd never seen him before. Remember, this is at that time a small town. Yeah, yeah. He just looked out of place. Just creeped her out. Mm-hmm. So detectives had the neighbor come in and put together a composite sketch of the man. Police were hopeful that this might be their suspect. So they released that composite to the public and asked anyone who might recognize him to reach out. And they waited for tips to come in Mm -hmm. while they were waiting detectives got their first bit of good news in the case paul came out of his coma they rushed to the hospital to see him and ask him if he remembered anything about the tech this could be the break they needed but paul couldn't tell them anything about his attacker yeah he'd been asleep and he'd woken up in severe pain and that's when he'd called out for his dad he wasn't even awake when the attack had happened, so he saw nothing. Wait, wait, what do you mean he wasn't even awake? So, like, he called out for his dad and then the person? No, no, no. Him? He was attacked much before he called oh. out for his dad. Oh. Yeah, he had slept through it, and then he came to in this terrible pain, oh, feels my blood gosh. everywhere, calls out for his dad. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was... Another blow to the investigation. They were still nowhere. And another blow was about to come. A man came forward to talk to investigators after he recognized himself from the composite sketch. (gasps) He told the police that he had been in the neighborhood that day because his car had broken down. And he was walking through the neighborhood to try and he was going to knock on somebody's door and ask to use their phone so he could make Mm -hmm. arrangements to get his car towed or repaired. He had an airtight alibi for the time of the attacks. You're kidding me. The investigation was back at square one. By this time, Kelly had been missing 10 days. Oh, no. And then some kids were playing in the snow near Frisco Lake in Olathe. And they saw what they thought was a human leg sticking out of a drainage culvert near the water. Oh, God. The boys ran home to tell their parents and police were called to the scene. There, police discovered the body of Kelly Duffield. She was frozen 
and had been dead for 10 days. Yeah. She'd been raped and then killed by blunt force trauma with multiple blows to the back of the head. Oh, God. A small sledgehammer was found near her body. Police were confident that that was the murder weapon. Well, no shit. (laughs) (laughs) Police were like, what a coincidence. Right. The location of the body would become an important part of the case. It led investigators to believe that the killer was local. This was not a place that someone would accidentally stumble upon. And it wasn't a straight shot from the Duffield house. The route from the Duffield house to the lake was actually fairly complicated. There was like this, almost like a frontage road, like a little access road that you had okay. to take to get down to the lake. Okay. You had to know it was there. Yes. To, to find yeah. it. Gotcha. So this was someone who had intimate knowledge of this area. Mm-hmm. The autopsy showed that Kelly was six weeks pregnant. Oh. So they went back to take another look at her boyfriend. Had he found out about that pregnancy and gone into a rage? Is it possible that timid little Nathaniel could have done this? He swore to investigators that he had no knowledge of the pregnancy. God, what a terrible way to find out about a pregnancy. Yeah, and that he was devastated that Kelly had been found murdered. He and his parents authorized a full search of their house. Mm Mm-hmm. And it turned up nothing. He was again cleared in the case. Yeah. Detectives had nothing to go on. They started to believe that they would only be able to catch this attacker when he committed his next crime. And they were kind of right. Three months went by with no new leads. No, that's terrifying. Then police got a break. In April, police got a call from a woman who was assaulted outside an Olathe restaurant. A man tried to get her to go in his car with him, and when she told him no, it became physical. First, he tried to force her in the car, and when she fought back, he snatched her purse and took off. Hmm. So she calls the police. Hold on, what restaurant? I don't know. I wish I knew. I wish I knew. So police, she calls the police. They come out. They're like taking her statement about this. Yeah. And she's like, he stole my purse. I, I think he was trying to abduct me. I don't know. But he ended up just taking my purse. Yeah. So she's standing there outside this restaurant giving this statement. Mm-hmm. And he drives by. You're kidding me. No. So she's like, that's him. That's oh the guy. That's God. the guy who stole my purse. And so what? police chase him down. Yes. And they take him into custody. Okay. He is 21-year-old Michael Cade, and he doesn't have the purse with him anymore. And so they're like, did you just snatch that lady's purse? What'd you do with it? Where is it? Mm -hmm. You don't have it? Mm -hmm. And he says that he dumped it. What? At Frisco Lake. (gasps) No. Yes. Why did he admit that? No idea. And so police, like, alarm bells are going off. And they're like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, holy (laughs) shit. Like, this is not just a purse snatching. This is probably our guy. So they they arrest him. Uh They put him in holding. And they pull his record. Turns out he has a record of breaking and entering, where he has disabled phone lines. Mm -hmm. 
He has a record of breaking into an elementary school and like killing the class rabbit. Oh, God. Yeah. So all of those happened like in his juvenile record. Yeah. Now he's 21. So detectives are like, this is him. This is it. Yeah, this for is sure. for sure him. And so they bring him in for interrogation. So they bring him in like they're just going to question him about the purse case. But when they bring him into the interrogation room, they have the sledgehammer <gasps> sitting on the table. Oh, my God. Oh, I so love it. So he sits I love it. down and he immediately looks at it. Shits his pants. Yeah. And they're like trying to ask him questions and he just keeps like staring yeah, at the hammer. He, he cannot focus. Oh, my He's God. Just and they didn't ask him anything about it. They didn't ask him anything about it. They're asking him about the purse snatching and where he dumped it. And he mentions that he dumped it near where they found that body. Oh, Okay, that is yeah. fucking stupid. Yes. And so finally, like, that was the opening that the police needed. And so they like, were like... Funny you should mention yeah, that. The Let's lead detective, talk about it. Yeah, the lead detective's like, do you know anything about the Duffield murders? You've heard of them? And, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I heard about those. No, I don't really know anything about it. I, I did have a dream about it, though. And they're like... Bet you did. Oh, really? You had a dream about it? And so he walks them... Through a dream he had. Oh, oh, God. Where he found himself outside of the Duffield house. He walked around to the back of the house and he used a screwdriver to pull the phone cords out to cut the lines, uh-huh. which explains why the phone cords would uh-huh. be ripped and not cut. Yep. Something nobody else would know about. Yep. And then he entered through an unlocked back door. Once he entered the house, he saw Paul sleep on the sofa and he felt that Paul was big enough that he could have interfered somehow and so he immediately struck him twice in the head with a sledgehammer and assumed he was dead and carried on then he went into Janelle's room and he found her asleep Um, he said that she was asleep on the floor on a rubber sheet oh my god and that he bludgeoned her a couple times with the hammer and that next he went to kelly's room and instead of killing her he decided he was going to take her he abducted her carried her out to his car drove her to a remote area where he raped her and then he told her she was free to go if she wouldn't say anything oh my god and she was like i won't say anything i won't say anything i swear i won't tell anybody i i won't tell anybody anything yeah and he let her get out of the car Um, And start walking down the road. Yeah. And when she was just a few yards up the road, he got out and he ran her down. And he hit her in the back of the head two or three times with the hammer. Oh, my God. Then he dragged her body back to the car, put her in it, and drove her down that access road and dumped her by the water at Frisco Lake. All a dream. This is just a dream, Kristen. Yeah. It's just weird how all the details are. Pretty detailed, yeah. Exactly. Correct, right? Oh, my God. That's so disturbing. Yeah, so the detectives are like, huh, that's a pretty specific dream you had there, huh? (laughs) Weird. Weird. You know some stuff in that dream that we haven't actually, you know, told anybody (laughs) about. Oops. And he's like, really? And they're like, yeah. (laughs) And they're like, come on, Michael. Like, yeah, this wasn't really a dream, was it? And he admitted that it wasn't, yeah. that it was true and that he had done it. And that he, 
He told them he picked the house completely at random. You're kidding me. Mm -mm. Police don't necessarily believe that. They think he may have seen Kelly in town and become like infatuated with her. Yeah. He swears that he didn't have any previous knowledge of the home or anything and that he just picked it because the door opened. Oh, my God. How terrible. Yeah. So, okay, this next part. I watched this whole thing, and then there's, like, no information available about About the the court court stuff. Yeah. (laughs) So what I know, I've pulled just from public records, so it's not a lot. But Okay. Okay. So on April 14th, 1983, Michael Cade was charged with two counts of first-degree murder, one count each of aggravated battery, aggravated burglary, rape, and aggravated kidnapping. Dennis Moore was the Johnson County District Attorney at the time. Mm-hmm. You know Dennis Moore? That he was really our familiar. he was the the representative in the for one of the Kansas House of Representatives like from oh, okay. like I don't know the date range. I think till like 2011 or something like that. Okay. Huh. Um, but he was the Johnson County District Attorney at the time and he was the lead prosecutor on the case. Cade initially pled not guilty. And his defense attorney filed several motions to get his confession thrown out. Because after all, it was just just a a dream. dream. That's correct. Um, Additionally, Cade was sent to um, Topeka several times for mental health evaluations. Mm -hmm. So I can only see that there were transport orders put in in the court records, but said that he was taken to Topeka for mental health um, evaluations. Ultimately, though, the defense motions were denied by the judge, and on October 6, 1983, Michael Cade withdrew his not guilty pleas and pled guilty to all charges. On October 7th, he was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole. Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. He has been up for parole, I think, three times now. The most recent was in February of this year. Oh, my God. So each time... Carol, I believe. So John Duffield died of cancer in 1998. So I believe he was dead before the first parole opportunity came up. So each time Carol and Paul have argued in front of the parole board to get his parole denied. And actually the lead investigator has also argued in front of the parole board each time. I can't believe Uh that that's even a possibility for him. I know. It's nuts. Because... Um, the way the charges read out, he was actually sentenced to life for multiple charges. So it just seems crazy that he would ever yeah. have a possibility of parole. Oh, so Carol and Paul have argued each time in front of the parole board yeah. until Carol died in 2011. Oh. Um, she died in hospice after a short illness. I don't know mm-hmm. what it was. Got that from her obituary. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so then the last... The last time he was up for parole was February of this year. Uh-huh. Um, a GoFundMe campaign was made to raise money for Paul to be able to come back to Kansas. He no longer lives in Kansas. Who could to be able him? to argue in front of the parole board. I believe he came and argued as well as the lead investigator on the case. And the parole board was set to rule in April of 2018. Uh-huh. I can find nothing on the ruling, 
but current inmate registrations show that he is still an inmate at Lansing Correctional Facility. So he has Good. not been released okay. to date. But I can't find where the parole board issued their ruling on whether it was denied or approved. So it must have been denied. I like to think it was such a no-brainer that they were right. just like, They're like, like, yeah, fuck that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So Paul is the lone survivor of the Duffield family. Oh, my gosh. Poor Paul. Poor Paul. And he suffers, I believe, some lasting handicaps from I'm his sure. horrible injury. Yeah. yeah. I think it, I don't know. I believe I read somewhere that it damaged, like, his reasoning skills or something like that. Well, yeah. I mean, hit multiple times in the head with a sledgehammer. Yeah. 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 At one of the at one of the parole hearings, I know he said, like, I have to live with the physical scars of this mm-hmm. night for the rest of my life. Yeah. This guy should be in prison for the rest of his. Yeah. yeah. Not to mention the emotional scars. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. That is the case of the Duffield family in safe little Olathe in That's crazy. Johnson County. That is crazy. Isn't that crazy? It stuns me that it was someone who Some maybe random didn't know guy them. maybe yeah. maybe didn't know them at all. Maybe had seen Kelly a couple times. Maybe. Yeah, that's unreal. Isn't that nuts? Yes. Yeah. Whew. Okay. Thanks for that one, Brandy. You're welcome. <laughs> really delivering here. <laughs> oh my gosh. Are we going to talk about a pedophile now? <laughs> I can hardly wait. No, we're not going to talk about a pedophile. We're going to talk about a nice guy who <laughs> enjoys sandwiches oh okay yeah excellent stay tuned (laughs) okay today we're gonna talk about jared fogel the subway spokesman excellent sorry former former subway (laughs) spokesman can you imagine if he was still (laughs) (laughs) let's talk about jared are you familiar with his story uh yeah he lost like 200 pounds walking a subway every day eating a sandwich it is a story that is embedded in all of our yeah. minds when jared was a student at indiana university he weighed 425 pounds yeah and in just 11 months he lost an astonishing 245 holy pounds. shit that is astonishing uh yeah it's it's ridiculous yeah how did he do it you ask mm-hmm he went to Subway. He went to Subway a lot. Yeah. For lunch, he'd have a six-inch turkey sub. And for dinner, he'd have the 12-inch veggie delight. Ooh. He'd get a diet soda, a bag of baked chips or pretzels with each meal, and he never added cheese or mayo or oil to his sandwiches. Mm. Just mustard. Mm-hmm. That all sounds disgusting. Yeah, I don't want that sandwich. Who wants a sandwich with no cheese on it? Yeah. I ask you. Norm. I feel like he didn't want that. It's just that we didn't have cheese in the house that one Mm, time. All right. Well, he ate it. Yeah. No, I'm with you because to me, if there's no cheese for the sandwich, no sandwich. No sandwich. But then Thanks, I'll pass. I'm not that You're not a sandwich sandwich person. You don't even know if it's turkey or ham. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. Yeah, try and come back, Kristen. I can't can't come back from that. (laughs) So in other words, he went from eating more than 10,000 calories a day to eating about 1,000 calories a day. Wow. 
Also, this is never mentioned anywhere, but what college student can afford to eat out twice a day? I know, twice a day. Who was funding that? I don't know. One of his former roommates. Although, if he was ingesting that many calories before... Yeah, you're right. He he was was probably probably spending spending so much on food that it was cheaper to do this. Probably. Yeah. Okay. One of his... I'm sorry, did I just defend Jared Fogle? Because I'll take that back. Stay stay tuned, folks, because Brandy's going to defend him all the way through the end of this episode. I will not. One of his former roommates noticed his weight loss and said, hey, I want to write a story about you for the Indiana Daily Student. Mm -hmm. So Jared said, sure. And a while later, Men's Health wrote about him. Mm -hmm. The headline for that article was, Stupid Diets, dot, 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 that work. Wow. Pretty soon, Subway found out about Jared and they were thrilled. They were like, wow, this is a crazy story. I bet it could sell some subs. Mm-hmm. So they created an ad campaign featuring Jared. Jared's first Subway commercial aired on January 1st, 2000. Brilliant timing, I think. Yeah. Everybody's got their New Year's resolution. Yeah. The commercial told the audience his story. Do you remember these commercials? Yeah. yeah I remember them so well. Oh, yeah. And at the end, there was this disclaimer that said, The Subway diet, combined with a lot of walking, worked for Jared. We're not saying this is for everyone. You should check with your doctor before starting any diet program. But it worked for Jared. Mm -hmm. After that commercial, sales shot up by 20%. Holy shit. Well, do you remember all of a sudden Subway became like Subway's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Which is total bullshit. It is bullshit. I mean, all I've ever ordered was like the meatball sub with a ton of cheese and the Italian BMT. Yeah. Neither of those are on the healthy menu. Cheese, oils, fats. All of it. Mm. Okay. And I don't like baked chips. I'm sorry. Yeah. I li- I don't mind them. I like the baked barbecue ones. Those are pretty good. And <laughs> I like them. I'm sorry. You can scowl at me all day. <laughs> and they're kind of, the texture makes them kind of like a Pringle. Don't you like Pringles? I love Pringles. Don't you dare compare They're kind Pringles of like a Pringle. Yeah, in the way that lightning is kind of like a lightning bug. I mean, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is the matter with you? What the fuck is the matter with you? <laughs> so sales shot up. Jared went on to film more than 300 commercials. Holy shit. His impact on Subway was insane. In 1998, Subway had about $3 billion in sales. By 2011, they had $11.5 billion. Holy shit. Yeah. And also, all these sources are like, well, just so you know, you can't con- totally contribute all that to Jared. And it's like, no shit. But no shit, this yeah. Was, yeah. So, yeah. in other words, don't be an idiot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just hate it when they say obvious yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Jared was the perfect spokesperson because he was just this sweet, genuine, Midwestern guy. Don't look at me like that. He was so boring. Mm -hmm. He didn't have an arrest record. He didn't have a drug addiction. He never made a scene in public. Quit making that face. (laughs) 
he was just a nice guy with a simple story. Okay. I once was overweight, and now, thanks to Subway, I'm not. Excellent. What more do you want? (laughs) Nothing. Can't imagine wanting anything more. (laughs) Jared's relationship with Subway was a win-win. He became a millionaire many times over. Mm -hmm. By 2015... He was worth about $15 million. Holy shit. Can you believe it? No. All because he ate a bunch of stupid Subway. South Park wrote an episode about him. He became a motivational speaker. And he was really good at it. Mm -hmm. Did you ever watch that episode of South Park? Yeah, I've seen it. Is it good? Yeah. Okay, I, I hadn't seen it. In 2008, Subway did a big campaign to celebrate Jared. It'd been 10 years since he lost the weight. They sent him on a tour de pants where he did some speeches and always had his, you know, you know how he'd have his pair of 62. clever. (laughs) Is that why you were making that face? I love it. You didn't want to like it, but you do. Tour de pants. Hey, take the laughs where you can in this I script. I love it. We're going to get on a bumpy road in a minute here. So, you know, he always had that pair of 62-inch yeah. pants. Yeah. And he told everyone that once the ad tour was over, he'd donate the pants to a museum. Mm. What museum would want those pants? I don't know. The crime museum? <laughs> but Jared did more than just star in a bunch of Subway commercials. He gave back to the community. Mm-hmm. In 2004, he started the Jared Foundation, a nonprofit organization that helped raise awareness about childhood obesity. This allowed him to travel around talking to kids. Great. <laughs> so nice of him. <laughs> so to sum up, everybody swallow your vomit. So to sum up, Jared is awesome. He's eating his turkey subs. No mayo, no cheese, and he's making tons of money, and he's helping children. Hmm. Then, in 2007, Jared was at a school health event in Sarasota, Florida. Local reporter Rochelle Herman Walrand was there to interview Jared and cover the event for her radio show, Health Beat of America. And that's when everyone's favorite boring spokesman turned to her and said a bunch of gross stuff about how hot the middle school girls were. Oh, God. Rochelle was like, whoa, 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 what? She immediately made note of what he'd said, and then she went to the FBI. Mm -hmm. She was like, hey, uh, turns out Jared from Subway is a huge creep. The FBI was like, excuse me, what? The guy with the big pants. (laughs) So they said, Rochelle, will you stay in contact with him? Can we wiretap your conversations? Yes. Did she say yes? Yeah, she did. So for the next four years. What? She recorded every conversation she had with Jared. Four years? Can you imagine The tapes were so gross. By the way, in the articles I read, the FBI never confirmed working with her, but she took the tapes to Dr. Phil. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's... 
Ugh. Ugh. You ready for a transcript? I cannot wait. Scared. Real scared. You should be. Get ready to feel really sorry for her because she had to like pretend she was kind of into it to get him to talk to this. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Rochelle. You must go crazy with your travels because you get to go into all the different schools and, you know, all the different things like that. Can, uh, can I want, I want you to, I mean, I'm sure you have a lot of stories. I want you to tell me some of them so that I know, um, I know I'd just like to, Jared. Yeah, especially some of the middle schools. I love the middle schools in that. Girls are starting to get tits, you know? <gasps> Rochelle. Yeah, Jared, because you know how much I love big tits. You know I love huge tits. Oh, my God. Oh, he's talking about middle schoolers. And I'm sorry, but if you love huge tits. Middle schoolers are not the way to go. (laughs) Rochelle, I know. Uh Uh-huh. Well, and they're ready. Jared, what's that? Rochelle, well, you know, kids are maturing faster nowadays. Jared. I know, which I love. That's why I think it's wonderful with you is that you're able to get in early. You know what I mean? You could totally, you could totally win them over, which is what I love. Rochelle. Mm Mm-hmm. You like that? Oh. Jared, I do love that. Oh. I'm sorry. This is so gross. Oh, my God. It's so gross. There's more. Rochelle, tell me. Well, you have to tell me how to do that. Jared. You know, just talk to them, just get to know them, just everything. And, and, you know, just do little touchy-feely things with them. You know, make them feel good and a little more touchy-feely, a little more touchy-feely, a little more touchy-feely. And it's that kind of stuff. So you look like you're about to projectile oh, vomit. Oh, God, it's so bad. There's one more little section and then we're going to be done with the transcript. Okay, I'm ready for it. <laughs> Rochelle says... What ages seem to be the easiest? Jared. You know, I don't know. Like, you know, early middle school is probably one of the best. Rochelle. Yeah? Jared. Yeah, they don't know if they're coming or going. Ugh. Yeah. So your reaction to the four years thing was kind of like my reaction. Yeah. Um, And there's a lot of speculation as to why it took so long for the FBI to finally get Jared, because Rochelle Rochelle said she made these recordings for years. And another article I read said that when court documents actually came out regarding Jared's eventual arrest, the documents said that witnesses in Florida, Georgia, and Washington had recorded conversations with Jared about him wanting to have sex with kids. But... It's possible that maybe there wasn't enough hard evidence in these tapes. They just felt like he's so rich, he'll slide right out of this. Or he'll just say, oh, this was just a fantasy. Yeah. So, if the tapes didn't undo Jared, what did? Yeah. Oh, fantasy. Thought crime. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we know Brandy's not weirded out by a thought crime at all. Uh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> that's what we know. No, that's not what we know. <laughs> I am plenty weirded out by them. I think they cannot be prosecuted. He said no actual crime has taken place. It's conspiracy. It's conspiracy <laughs> to commit the we crime. We will never agree on this, Kristen. The law agrees with me. It's conspiracy <laughs> to commit a crime, oh, really? which can be a crime. Because yes. Cannibal Cop got off scot-free. 
they didn't show enough oh, conspiracy to commit. Yes. Oh, okay. You know what? I hope he comes and I hope he gets you. Oh my god! No, I don't really. Oh god! You're gonna make meatballs out of me. Oh god! <laughs> Stop. Okay, we. Ugh. Anyway, Chris and I may have stalked his Instagram one day and he has some pictures of some meatballs on there. We are so creepy. We are super creepy. We get really into this stuff. Oh yeah. I'm so glad we have this podcast because yeah. like before we did this, yeah, I think I've told you like Norman would come into my office at like midnight yeah. and be like, "What you doing?" And I'd have like a bunch of tabs open yeah. and I'd just be doing a deep dive into That's some weird right. thing. Yeah. And like, what could I say? I couldn't say, oh, I'm working. No. Yeah. I'd say, yeah. Well, there's now, this weird my thing that happened in 1922. ever gets looked into, I have an excuse about it. I'm sure we're on some list. Oh, we 100% are on some list. <laughs> so what undid Jared? I bet you'll tell us. What if I was like, I don't know, guys. I didn't get that didn't far. I didn't get that far. I got In distracted. a busy week. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember Jared's 100% wonderful and not at all creepy charity for kids? Yeah, the Jared Foundation. Yeah, which, what a douchey name. Yeah, it's super douchey. Yeah. Well, he couldn't make it Jared Loves Kids. <laughs> <laughs> a little too on the nose. The working huh? title is Jared Loves Kids and Big Tits. <laughs> <laughs> Got shut down pretty quickly. <laughs> oh God, you're going to throw yourself into a coughing fit. Can you imagine? We wanted to name it that, but no one was applying for our grants. Don't know why. <laughs> The director of the Jared Foundation was a man named Russell Taylor. Russell and Jared were BFFs. good friends. They'd known each other for quite a while. So you can imagine what a surprise it was for Jared when Russell's home was raided. Hmm. Investigators were looking for child porn. Hmm. And they found it. Yeah. <laughs> Jared immediately fired Russell and said how shocked he was by this whole thing. But he wasn't really shocked. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he was probably pissing his pants, though. Yeah, probably. Because what investigators found during their investigation into Russell led them directly to Jared. Oh, man. I tried real hard to figure out a way who I could, how I could do like a he went to Jared joke, but it just Ooh. couldn't. It didn't, yeah. I like the effort. Thank you. <laughs> it was abandoned. Yes. <laughs> they discovered that Russell sent child porn to Jared. Some of the children in those videos and photos were as young as six. That's so disgusting. Yep. On April 29th, 2015. <sighs> this is the worst. It's it's really gross. Uh, you've done a child molestation case before, except no actual child molestation took place in it. Yeah, it was a light one. Yeah, it was a mm. lighthearted molestation <laughs> case. This one's not feeling so lighthearted, Kristen. No, uh, children were actually harmed in oh, this one. Oh, God. Oh, I don't know if I can handle it. There's justice at the end. All right. You know, sometimes I do these cases where justice just doesn't yeah. happen. All right. If you're telling me there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Kind of. I mean, okay, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> On April 29th, 
On April 29, 2015, Russell was arrested on charges of child exploitation, voyeurism, and possession of child pornography. The charges against Russell were disgusting. He was accused of secretly filming 12 children between 2011 and 2015 while they were in the bathroom, showering, and changing clothes. He made more than 400 photos and videos of kids. Ugh. So at this point, investigators are now digging, digging deeper into Jared. And they're also digging into the Jared Foundation. Mm-hmm. Because suddenly that seems kind of weird. Yeah. Turns out it kind of sucked as far as charities go. When he started the foundation, Jared said that it would distribute $2 million to schools and communities in need so that everyone could band together and fight childhood obesity. Mm-hmm. But the foundation never handed out any money. In fact, from 2009 to 2013, the foundation spent about $73,000 a year. Some of that money went to Russell's salary, and the rest of it is unaccounted for. Wow. Mm-hmm. I'm mentioning this stuff, and it is bad, but it's like the least bad thing Yeah. Here. On top of that, the state of Indiana requires that, that foundations like Jared's pay an annual $5 registration fee. They never did. Are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) I know, Brandy. I know it's terrible. It's disgusting. I just can't even believe that people have the nerve to do those kind of things. So, you know, once the news came out, these two were sent to the chair. So, okay, now we're going to get dark again. Essentially, all the charity really did was arrange for Jared to go to schools and talk to kids. Oh. Ah! Yep. So police have Russell in custody, and about a week after his arrest, Russell tried to kill himself while he was in jail. Oh, that's not a great sign. No. Um, but don't worry. He recovered. He's fine. Do you know how he attempted to? No. Just curious. I didn't even look into it, honestly. I was just like, I kind of felt, I felt a little conflicted about getting the news that someone like this tried to Mm -hmm. commit suicide and was fine. And I was just kind of like, meh. Yeah. You know, it feels a little weird to be heartless. Yeah. Yeah. mm. What can I say? I just don't care. (laughs) (laughs) That summer on July 7th, 2015, the FBI raided Jared's house. A few hours after the raid, Subway announced that they had mutually agreed to suspend their relationship with Jared. Subway said they were shocked by the news. Were they? Well. I think that we're going to find out that that's not true. (laughs) So Subway's like, oh, my goodness. Oh, this is terrible. But a few people like Subway franchise owner Cindy Mills were like, Really? You're shocked? Been telling you that this guy's mm-hmm. a creep. Yep. Really? Yes. So <gasps> she met, she said that she met Jared at a subway event, had an affair with him. What? Okay, that's, again, that's like the $5 registration fee. She's an adult. <laughs> He's an adult. Affairs are bad, but they're, you know, <laughs> not here as we bad go. as child porn. Yeah, hang on. Say? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
we got to have like a chart going for this one where we're going to like limit our outrage. She said that she met Jared at a oh subway God, event. Did you hear that? Yeah. Oh, my, oh my God. Do you want a cheese stick? I'm good. Do you want just a bunch of mustard and a veggie oh, yeah, sub? I was like, <laughs> I'll fill you right up. a mustard squeeze. Um, I don't have any baked potato chips, but I do have some cardboard. <laughs> Let me gnaw on that yeah, for a little uh-huh. bit. I'll put some blackened seasoning on there. <laughs> So she met Jared, uh-huh. and hold on to your hat, Brandy. I know this is very upsetting. They did have an affair. <sighs> now, this is not as gross, but around that time, he did tell her that he'd had sex with kids. Oh, my God. He was having sex with them? Yeah, he's a fucking gross, terrible dude. Oh, I thought dude. he was just looking at them. No, no. Oh, no, it's so much worse. He said that... She said that. Can he, we pretend that didn't happen? Let's back this train. I'm up. sorry, we can't. It's gonna get worse. Oh no! Yeah, I legit had no idea. You had no idea. Sex with children. Yeah. This is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Ah. Uh. So she says that he told her that he'd had sex with kids in Thailand and in the U.S. He also said, hey, I'd really like to meet your underage cousin. Ugh. She was super creeped out. She said she told Subway executives about Jared's sexual interest in children in 2008. <gasps> yeah. And what's it now, 2015? Mm-hmm. Holy shit. I think it's 2015. Hang on, let me check. Yep. Yeah. Yep. By the way, his little tour de pants where he went around to kids, that was 2010. Oh, no. She said she told. Tour de pants. Oh, so good. It's not that good. It's so good. (laughs) Do you think the marketing people were like so infatuated with their idea that they were like, who cares? Who cares if he's having sex with kids? We came up with this pun. We got to do it. She said she told three different executives in Subway's advertising group and was basically told, hey, he's not technically an employee, so there's really nothing we can do. At the time, she says she only talked to the Subway execs. She didn't go to the police because she was afraid of Jared and all his money and power. But after Russell Taylor was arrested, she was like, Jared doesn't seem so scary anymore. Yeah. So she showed them all the creepy texts that he'd sent her. Uh-huh. And the FBI was like, thank you. We will add this to our very large file on the many ways that Jared is a super creep. Super creep. Super creep. He's super creepy. <laughs> do you think people tune in for the singing? I think they do. Only matter of time till we get our record deal. What if we did? <sighs> I think just out of pure ethics, we'd have to say no. <laughs> <laughs> One of the big things the FBI learned about Jared through this investigation was that not only had he received child porn from his good buddy, Russell, but he also traveled around paying underage sex workers. For sex. Knew mm, he wasn't just giving donations. <laughs> you know, the newspaper articles had it worded differently. Mm-hmm. 
They said paying underage prostitutes, but I know sex workers yeah. is like the yeah. term. So yeah. I was trying to say, but I anyway, you get the idea. I got, you, I got the you idea. Yeah, you got, yeah okay. I got it. Let me explain it. Uh huh. What's sex, Kristen? <laughs> <laughs> they discovered that on November 3rd, 2012, he paid for sex with a 17-year-old girl. He did that again with the same girl a few months later. After that first meeting, he texted her to see if she could find another underage girl for him. He said he'd accept a 16-year-old, but said that the younger the girl, the better. Oh! So, I'm not going to in- into any more of this shit. There's a lot of it. It's all gross. You you got it. Well, I got the yep. picture. Thank got it? you. Okay. Oh my gosh. Can't handle any more of it. I mean, the worst part is that he had that affair. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> and didn't pay that five dollars. Five dollar registration fee for how many years? Multiple years. That's upwards of ten dollars. <laughs> but on August nineteenth, two thousand fifteen, they announced that. Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped a part. Because you distracted me. Boop, boop, Back Back, it up. Back back it up. At this point, it's late August, and prosecutors are feeling pretty damn good. They have more than enough to feel good about going to trial. Uh, Yeah. But on August 19th, 2015, they announced that Jared Fogel had agreed to plead guilty to paying for sex acts with minors and receiving child pornography. Mm. So under the agreement... Prosecutors said, hey, you're going to have to pay $1.4 million in restitution to 14 victims, so everyone gets $100,000. Uh-huh. You're going to have to be registered as a sex offender forever. Yeah. You have to seek treatment. You can't have any form of contact with children unless it's approved by your probation officer. Because well, he has children, doesn't he? He has two children. No! Yeah. Oh. Also, will That was ser- a really unattractive noise. Um, it's deserved. <laughs> also, we'll search you whenever we want. We'll monitor your computer, telephone, electronics, whatever, whenever we want. Uh-huh. Maybe we'll do it all the time. Yeah. Maybe we'll do it when we feel like it. Maybe yeah. we'll do it on a Tuesday. You know, yeah. that's just your life from mm-hmm. now on. You agree to all this, and we won't ask for more than 12 and a half years in prison. Mm-hmm. But your attorney can't ask for less than five. Okay. The same, de- the same day the plea deal was announced, Jared's wife, Katie, released a statement to the media. It read, Obviously, I am extremely shocked and disappointed by the recent developments involving Jared. I am in the process of seeking a dissolution, dissolution of my marriage. Of the marriage. Boy, here we go. My focus is exclusively on the well-being of my children. I feel bad for her. I feel horrible for yeah. her. She, I'm sure she had no idea. No. There's no way she had any idea. Um, and you're about to feel worse for her later. Oh, no. Yeah. A little while later, Subway was like, uh, we're not affiliated with him anymore. Please continue to eat our sandwiches. Uh-huh. I'm sure. Meanwhile, did their sales fall? I'm sure they did. What, where's that statistic? You want me to make it up? Yeah, please. So immediately after this happened, mm-hmm. all the people who are against child exploitation and mm-hmm. child porn, which, you know, is roughly 20%. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you asked me to make stuff up. <laughs> um, yeah, I think for sure. Well, don't you remember? So after this all came out, mm. then uh, 
Subway started to do a campaign where it was yeah, like, it was like we're we f- love children, still eat here, <laughs> but not like Jared does. <laughs> no, I remember seeing billboards that were like really emphasized that Subway is owned by these different franchisees. Mm-hmm. So it's, oh, it's like a local business. Mm-hmm. Hey, pay no attention yeah. to what happened, yeah. you know. Yeah, that does sound familiar. Meanwhile, Russell Taylor is like, hmm, a plea deal? Sign me up. So in September of 2015, he pled guilty. So Russell is awaiting sentencing, and now it's November 19th, 2015. Uh Jared pled guilty. He officially accepted that plea deal. Mm -hmm. His sentencing lasted five hours. Wow. Forensic psychiatrist John Bradford testified in Jared's defense. He said that Jared had a compulsive eating disorder and that that didn't just go away. He just replaced it with hypersexuality and mild pedophilia. Mild? Yeah, how do you feel? I don't think you get to put mild in front of pedophilia. Why? I think any form of pedophilia cannot be considered mild. (laughs) So, I completely agree, and you're going to love what comes next. So, Judge Tanya Walton Pratt said, there's no such thing as being a mild pedophile. She also said, that's not a diagnosis. Yeah. Um, so some people later said that the guy meant that Jared wasn't attracted to super young kids. But yeah. A kid's a kid. I don't fucking care. Yeah, that's nasty, nasty, oh. nasty. Courtney uh, Curtis was the Mario County, Mario? Hmm. County Prosecutor's Special t- Victims Team Division Chief. Who was the Luigi County? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> and she said... You are either a pedophile or you aren't. It's not something you can dabble in. (laughs) Agreed. Yes. Jared also spoke. He said he wanted to become a good, honest person. I want to redeem my life. Oh! He said. Good fucking luck. Yeah. I mean, I think you could, like, perform some miracles and you're not going to redeem yourself. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're done. You're done. You got, like, the luckiest hand ever in life when you became a millionaire because you ate Subway sandwiches and you abused that. No. Holy shit. So just, you know, in accordance with their deal, I'm so sorry. You look. It's terrible. I know. I know. The prosecution asked for 12 and a half years, just like they said they would. The defense asked for five, just like they said they Uh would. And the judge gave him. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. More than, I bet more than 12. 15 years and eight months. Uh-huh. Turns out she's one of those people who just doesn't like pedophiles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, you're going to have to serve at least 13 years before you're eligible for parole. Mm-hmm. Also, that $1.4 million isn't enough. I'm fining you $175,000, plus you have to forfeit $50,000 in assets. Jared was stunned. He was like, whoa, whoa, judge. I asked for five years. You accidentally multiplied that by three. (laughs) Also, please note, my pedophilia was only mild. It was nothing to worry about, really. (laughs) (laughs) So on December 14th, 2015, he appealed Mm -hmm. on the grounds that his sentence was even longer than what prosecutors had recommended. Mm Mm-hmm. But the U.S. Attorney's Office came forward and they were like, mm, 
how about you don't reduce his sentence? Because this is just a reminder, he's a super creep. Yeah. Even more of his old texts came out. In one, he said that he craves 14-year-old Asian girls. Oh, God. And in a fun... Stick to potato chips, dude. <laughs> no kidding. Oh. Do you think that's really true, that he was just a compulsive eater and then became... I think I, if he had an addiction and he replaced it with some other something, I think that's possible, but... God, wouldn't you rather be fat than yes. be a pedophile? Oh, my God. It's like... God. Get yourself some ribs, dude. Oh, my oh. gosh. In a fun flirty letter that he wrote to a friend while he was in prison, he explained that he wasn't the bad guy here. I'm sorry, what? You ready for this? He wrote, Bottom line, my director of my foundation and friend did some bad stuff and tried to throw me under the bus with him. Did you not have sex with 15, 16, 17-year-old girls? Brandy, come on. He was just thrown under the bus. No, fuck off. Fuck right off. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. The audacity. I mean, this is. Oh. And also, who's writing letters to him? Wild pedophile. Did you forget? (laughs) Meanwhile, with Jared's appeal in the works, Russell was sentenced to 27 years in prison. When he gets out, he'll be on supervised release. And he'll have to register as a sex offender. Mm -hmm. So now it's March of 2016. Jared is in prison. He's waiting for word on his appeal. And he's out in the prison yard getting some fresh air. And that's when another inmate named Stephen Nig walked up to Jared, knocked him to the ground, and beat him up. He gave Jared a bloody nose and scratched his neck. A reporter talked to Jimmy Nig, who is Stephen's nephew, mm-hmm. and Jimmy explained the whole thing. <laughs> he said, he just can't be around child molesters. He doesn't like them. <laughs> he can't figure out why you do that to kids. He says, I can't be around those people. <laughs> Obviously, that has nothing to do with court stuff. I just thought I that was it. <laughs> yes. So a few months go by. Now it's June of 2016. A federal appeals court looks at Jared's case, and they were like, ha, 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 nice try. Yeah. Enjoy prison. We're not changing your sentence. Yeah. Now it's September, and the parents of one of Jared's victims file a lawsuit in civil court. They alleged personal injury and emotional distress. Uh, yeah. Yeah, fair enough, right? Yeah. Jared didn't think so. What? Jared immediately filed a motion of his own. He explained that actually it was the parents who were at fault. I'm sorry, what? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, listen to this. He said they were to blame for the girl's destructive behaviors. He was like, hey, they fought in front of her. They abused alcohol in front of her. Also, they got divorced. And, you know, when you divorce, that means the kids have to rotate their living situations. They get stressed. They get anxious. So maybe the parents should shoulder some of the blame here. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I had trouble figuring out what happened with this lawsuit. I believe it was dropped. I don't even think it was settled. Uh A few weeks later, Jared's ex-wife, who now goes by Kathleen McLaughlin, sued Subway. In her lawsuit, she dropped a bombshell. She was like, 
you guys knew about this stuff as early as 2004. <gasps> yeah. Her lawsuit said that in 2004, Jared tried to solicit a young girl at a promotional event in Las Vegas. Subway handled that complaint by sending their PR manager to investigate it. Not like a police officer? No, and I have I have worked in PR. Uh, that person has we no are idea. Not, no, yeah. no, we can tell you, um, don't say this to the media, yeah. say this. I guess Holy you could say, shit. hey, it's bad for our bottom line if you're a pedophile, but good God, no, not the one you send. Wow. Four years later, Subway franchise owner Cindy Mills called to complain about Jared. Talked about her before. Mm-hmm. She said she talked to Subway's then CEO, Jeff Moody. She was like, hey, he said some really sick stuff to me about kids. And Jeff allegedly told her, please don't tell me anymore. Don't worry. He has met someone. She's a teacher, and he seems to love her very much. And we think she will keep him grounded. That woman was Kathleen. So she's like, obviously feeling super betrayed and super mad because she's saying, Subway knew all about this and they like used me. Yeah. She told reporters, finding out that your husband and the father of your children is a child predator and knowing that his job involved him visiting schools on a regular basis is devastating. Finding out that Subway did not act upon at least one complaint while continuing to utilize Jared as their spokesperson and facilitate his visits to those hundreds of schools is beyond comprehension. I filed this lawsuit today because I have questions, questions that someday my children will ask me, and that I imagine the families of the 14 victims are asking. Questions like, what did Subway know? When did they know it? Oh, my gosh. So according to her lawsuit, Subway received at least three complaints about Jared. Twice, Subway responded by sending PR people to address the issue. And the other time, Subway said that the issue was not properly escalated or acted upon. Which I would say that applies to all of these instances, whatever. So the lawsuit accused Subway of negligence, intentional infliction of emotional distress, and a bunch of other stuff. But a judge threw out Kathleen's lawsuit. The judge essentially said, all these incidents that you're bringing up in your lawsuit, if they did happen, they didn't happen in Indiana. The court lacks jurisdiction here, so I have to throw this out. What? I wasn't wasn't able to find anything more on this. I don't know if she'll refile. Uh I don't know if she'll settle or, you know, maybe she already has. Okay. But that's, that's the last I could find on that one. Okay. Brandy. <laughs> yes. Did you forget about Jared? No, I did not. Okay, you're still worried about him, still concerned about how that bloody I'm nose is healing? not worried about him, mm. but I sure haven't forgotten about him. Okay, let's talk about him. Because this whole time he's been sitting in prison, not enjoying it, really. Nobody's been eating honey buns. Honey I heard a news story one time, like when he got to prison, he started, he was like eating a box of honey buns a day. Well, he should. Yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, gross. Why am I saying that? I mean, like. Yeah, live it up, man. No, yeah, that's exactly how that's <laughs> Yeah. Oh, God. But I mean. You gotta make the most of your time in there. <laughs> God. 
that's not what I meant. That's what it sounded like. Yeah. I was like, you're really cheering for no, Jared. No, I'm not. I hate him so much. What I mean was, well, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Mm. Sounds like you want to be like Jared. Kristen. No, no. <laughs> I just, yeah, okay. Anyway, yeah, I'm good luck on. backing yeah. out of that one. Yeah, I can't. I'm just saying, like, if that's the worst he can do, go for it. Just stay the fuck away from kids. Very man. good. Okay. Yes. So, you know, he's eating his honey buns, not liking prison one bit. And he decided, you know what? I've got myself into a bit of a pickle here, but I'm going to get out of it. Oh, okay. By representing myself in court. No. Yes. No. So in November of 2017, Jared went before the same judge who gave him that 15-year sentence. You're not going to believe this, but it didn't go great. Uh, Imagine that. Yeah, it's weird. It seems like having a law degree is very helpful. Right. (laughs) Turns out. He explained that there was a clear error in his earlier case. What was that? Well, see, the court messed it all up, Brandy. It was just all a big error. He should be free to go now. He claimed that the federal court didn't have jurisdiction to convict him. Mm -hmm. Also, in another motion that was written by one of his fellow inmates, I guess he was done with his legal team or couldn't afford them, Uh, Jared claimed that the court lacked jurisdiction over him because he was a sovereign citizen. Mm -hmm. Definition on that. Sovereign citizen is someone who believes they are not governed by authorities or subject to laws. Yeah, yeah, you can't just say that. What if you believe it very strongly? And what if you're like a, a subway spokesperson? I mean, I feel like that's the guy that's like sitting out by the dumpster with his tinfoil hat on saying like, you have no authority over me. I'm a sovereign citizen. That's basically what Jared is right now. Yeah. Minus the tinfoil, just with a ton of honey bun wrappers. Yeah. <laughs> Judge Tanya Walton Pratt was like, really, dude? She called his legal claim frivolous and said that his argument had no conceivable validity in American law, which uh, yeah. I love that. That is yeah. like the hardest smackdown ever. Yeah. Then she sent his creepy, dumb, sandwich-loving ass back to prison where it belongs. And that, my friends, is the story of Jared from Subway. I hated that. You did it very well, but Thank I you. didn't care for that one bit. I had no idea that he was actually having sex with children. I thought he was like had just had pictures and shit. Yeah, he's he's a total That's creepy, gross, fucking terrible guy. I didn't know that he tried to represent himself in court. Yeah, I didn't and know that either. I wish I would have looked this up again. Hang on, let me let me look it up right now because there is something funny that I think I forgot to mention. Oh my god, I missed some huge thing. What? Okay, in April of 2018, I'm just seeing this headline right now. Jared Fogel is suing the feds for $57 million. Okay, Jared. Holy crap. Hang on. Oh, my God. May I read to you? Please. Former sub- This is from USA Today. Former Subway sandwich pitchman Jared Fogel is suing federal authorities and his former attorneys claiming they tricked him into pleading guilty to child porn and sexual misconduct charges that have no basis in laws. He is seeking $57 million. I'm sorry, what? No basis in law? Uh Uh-huh. In an 18-page civil suit filed March 23rd, 
blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Fogel's latest lawsuit, a rambling complaint filed without the aid of an attorney, lumps in similar civil complaints from Frank E. Pate and James N. Fry, two other men who have been serving sentences in the same prison. In a telephone call Friday, Pate offered a quick overview of their claims. Essentially, all three of us are alleging constitutional violations, government overreach, and convictions not based in the law. Pretty sure it's against the law to have sex with minors. Well, that remains to be seen. (laughs) Okay, here's another good part. Fogel also claims that his former lawyers, prosecutors, and judges coerced him into paying $1.4 million in restitution to 14 victims. Their actions constituted wire fraud, racketeering, and... Money laundry. Money laundry! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Money laundry. (laughs) How did I miss that one? I don't know. It seems like your research wasn't very thorough. I guess not. (laughs) Kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I guess that that judge pissed him off in 2017, told him to go back to jail and then yeah this year he came out with this 57 million dollar yeah i'm gonna take a wild guess that that was thrown out uh yeah or that he is in the process of getting 57 million dollars from the government (laughs) i'm sure Mm -hmm. i'm sure any day now that's gonna come rolling in hang on now i'm gonna now i'm paranoid that you missed something else well yeah that's embarrassing (sighs) Oh, my God, this guy. Okay, I'm just... So now that I'm paranoid that I missed a bunch of stuff, turns out I did miss, like, the past year. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm seeing a headline from March that's like, ex-Subway pitchman Jared Fogle seeks release from prison. Then another one from February. Jared Fogle files motion to have judge removed from his case. I think maybe he doesn't like her after all they've been together. And then... uh the tits probably aren't big enough. Yeah. Anyway, Jared is... Jared's a is super a douche. douche. Is a super douche. Yeah, that's what all yeah. this comes down to. Yeah. At the end of the day, yeah. it all boils down to Jared's a super douche. Yeah. And uh, what was it? Super creep? Super creep. Yeah. 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 Sorry about that one, folks. I will do a better job Googling no. next time. It's fine. I don't <laughs> think you missed any like crazy information. Well, I included that five dollar thing. Yeah, that so was the big. Really that important. was really the turning point. I was yeah. like really on the fence. On, uh-huh. Is he, he good? Is he good bad? Guy. He could I don't just be know. thrown under the bus by this other guy. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> he, he didn't, didn't pay file. the five dollars. Yeah. Not okay. <laughs> yeah, so that's the gross. Oh my story. gosh, I hated that. I know. Well, you did a really good job with it, but I hated the. I just really hated that. Yeah. Ugh. I have like a bad taste in my mouth now. <laughs> Let's go get some Subway. <laughs> oh, gross! <laughs> Ugh. You know, so does it keep you from wanting to eat Subway? Well, here's the thing: I'm not a sandwich person, mm-hmm. really. Never really liked Subway. Yeah, and now I'm like, on principle, I will not eat at Subway. Mm-hmm. But it's really convenient because I think their food is disgusting. Yeah, I'm not a huge sandwich person. Mm-hmm. Person, <laughs> I put an extra letter in there, but. Not on these same lines, but I have a sandwich place I will not eat at. I won't eat at Jimmy John's. I actually love Jimmy John's. Won't eat there because the CEO of Jimmy John's is a prize hunter. Really? Yeah. He kills big game. Yeah. Oh, come on. 
elephants and tigers and shit. How gross. I didn't It's know horrible. That. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't eat there now. Well, if I have to choose between someone who hunts big I, yeah, game I'd, and someone I guess who I'd rather them. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Neither place is good. I guess I'll have to eat at Good Sense. Ew. This is Zach's favorite. Really? Zach loves Good Sense. I think that's a local thing. I don't yeah. know if it's ever. Yeah. It's a soap sub sandwich place. Yeah. Submarine sandwiches. What does he like to order there? Uh, he orders the Good Sense original, mm-hmm. standard dress, plus mayo, and something else. Onion. I don't think standard dress comes with onion. He likes a ton of onions. What he says is, you know that amount of lettuce you would usually put on there? Uh-huh. Put that much onion on it. Ew. He loves onions on it. I can't even be in the house when he eats it because it smells so bad. I don't like onions, so. Oh, my God. Yeah. I bet he smells like an onion. Yeah, I make him like brush his teeth as soon as he finishes eating it. You know, I'm one of those people who even after I brush my teeth, it's like it comes out of my pores. Yeah. And Norman does this really embarrassing thing to me, like where he'll come up to me and like we'll hug and then he'll say, you had a Caesar salad today. Ah! He just knows. It's so embarrassing. so weird. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got a Christmas special episode coming up. We do. And I was going to talk to you about this, but I guess we can just let people in on our brilliant process. Should we release that early? Well, I thought maybe we would do like a little Christmas treat and just release the episode a day early and let it come out on Christmas. Okay. I like that. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's good. Yeah. Okay, so. So typically it wouldn't come out till the 26th. Well, our gift to you is that the next episode (laughs) will come out on Christmas Day. Yeah. Yeah, and it'll be a Christmas theme. And make sure that you don't spend time with your family on the holidays. <laughs> Just, like, go to your room alone and listen, listen to us to the for, like, two hours. Yeah. yeah, or, like, when you're making, you know, that delicious Christmas breakfast for your family, mm-hmm. listen to our stories of murder and mayhem. Um, I did get a warning email from, like, one of the podcast to- providers who was like, oh, you know, we're going to be short-staffed. So, bottom line, all we can tell you guys is, on our end, we will put it out yeah. on the 25th. Okay. It'll be out there. Hopefully, you'll be able to access it. At the very least, it will be on our website, right? Which is lgtcpodcast.com. That's correct. You'll see our beautiful faces on there, smiling at you, That's and you'll be right. like, I didn't know they looked like that. Yeah. I'm really disappointed. <laughs> I can't listen anymore. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, join us for our Christmas episode. It's going to be a good time. Mm-hmm. What else you got for our listeners there, Kristen? Hmm. What else do I have? This is a little embarrassing, but I'm just going to throw it out there. So my sister told me and Norm, we need to start watching Jersey Shore Family Vacation. Uh You admitted that you also watched that show. I'm not embarrassed by it one bit. Fucking love it. Norman and I are into it. Yeah. We, they're just entertaining people. So we got into a bit of an argument about it the other day, Kristen. We did. Yeah. Kristen texts me because she and Norman were having a heated debate mm-hmm. over... We were throwing stuff. We were... Oh, Who is the best cast member? And my answer was simple. It was easy. I didn't even have to think about it. Polly D, hands down, the best. Mm-hmm. What uh, What'd you and Norm say? Okay, so Norman said Polly D. Uh-huh. Although, see, we had trouble with it because we like a lot of the characters. I love all of them. Yeah. Eh. I don't. Nah, no, I don't I love don't, all of them. No, I don't love all of them. Yeah. 
I love most of them. Yeah. Yeah. He ultimately went with Polly D. Yeah. Snooky. I'm a big Who I Snooki do fan. love. I love yeah. Snooky. I also love Polly D though. Yeah. And I, I love Vinny. Well, yeah, I love Vinny too. Yeah. It is it is real tight. But see, okay, so you said Snooky, Norm said Polly D. I I said Polly D, and then I asked Zach, and he said Polly D. He keeps it all together. He kind of does. He does. That's yes. just it. He's not that much better than everybody else, but he just kind of keeps everything together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's not the one starting drama. No. He usually, he's like, yeah. he's so focused on that hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He doesn't have time for yeah. drama. Yeah. So, Kristen couldn't believe he still had oh my God, I was the blowout shocked. all these years shocked. later. And I said... What, like he's going to cut it and lose all his Guido powers? <laughs> Absolutely not. I am shocked, given what, given what you do for a living, that you're not more bothered by that hair. What other hair could he rock? Nothing. He's a handsome guy. He, he is. He's a good-looking guy. Yeah. He could do anything else with that hair. Yeah, but he's like, it's like his hair's like trademarked now. He loses the hair. He loses the identity. Then he's just Paul Del Vecchio. How do you know his full I don't, name? I'm not sure if that's his last <laughs> name. I think it is. I'm not positive. Here's how into it I've gotten lately. Yeah. I looked up all of their net worth. Uh-huh. Who do you think is the wealthiest? Mm. Yeah, let's play this game. Hang on. Wow. That was my guess, too. That's not right? the tanning stuff. Yeah. It's not right. Oh. Hang on. Okay. So Wow is actually number four. Whoa. I know. Oh, well, Polly D, because of his, he tours. Yeah. Yeah. So Polly D, by far. This is yeah, according yeah, yeah. to Cosmo. Yeah, $20 yeah, yeah. million. Dollars. The other thing Norman said was he feels like Polly D might have had money before he was on the cast. Because he, he was like 29 yeah. when he joined. Yeah. Um, who do you think was number two? Ooh. Um, Snooks. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Number three? Mm, I would have guessed Mike, but his money wasn't all so yeah he had some trouble with the feds he's in he's going to prison he's going now. to prison yeah eight months you know maybe we should do a reality tv theme. we could that'd be good oh. that'd be a good mm-hmm. idea yeah see we're tying it back in you guys are wondering what the fuck we're doing talking about jersey shore right now we're doing it all to lead up to a court case you know what <laughs> this is so... i kind of like forgot we were recording <laughs> Oh, Lord. <laughs> this is a bad thing. Like, I get so comfortable. <laughs> okay, well, yeah. Now, who's number three? You got to tell us. The- well, now I need to apologize to people because I feel like, you know. Yeah, they don't probably give us, a shit about the Jersey Shore. No. But we can't leave them hanging. You got to give them okay, the order okay. now. Number three is Vinny. Okay. With three million. Yeah. Wow also is at three million, but for some reason they have her lower. Yeah. Then we got Ronnie. They're also saying he's at three million, too. They can't all. No. Ronnie can't. What's Ronnie doing? Ronnie doesn't have a no, but he's, lineup. Probably they're making that from the show. That's probably their... Yeah, but Wow has that tanning yeah. stuff. I don't know. Oh, wait. Ronnie's done some spinoffs, I guess. Oh. Okay, then we've got Sammy Sweetheart. Ugh. I'm not a fan. Yeah, she's the one I don't like. She is. Ron like, Stamp. I, okay, I've, I've gotten good. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. Ron! <laughs> Ron Stamp. I love you. <laughs> I want to know what we are. All I want to know is who wrote the note? Who wrote the fucking note? Okay, it starts to sound kind of Minnesota, but you get the idea. Then we've got Angelina. Oh. 
I kind of I'm a fan. Hmm. Not a she's fan person. She's warming her way back in. She's she's fun to watch on the show. Yeah. And then we got Dina. Yeah. And then we got Mike. You know. Oof. You know. Yeah. Situation. Oh okay. God! Thank you for hanging. If yeah. you're still with us, thank you for hanging around during that tangent. I feel like we should give merit badges. To I people know. Who stuck yeah. around this? Yes. Time. If you made it through the end of this episode, <laughs> reach out to us on social media. <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and we will give you five gold stars. <laughs> and then uh, join us next week. When we'll be experts on two whole new topics. Podcast adjourned. And now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary. And I copy and paste from the best sources on the web, and sometimes Wikipedia. So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. For this episode, I got my info from the Washington Post, USA Today, Dr. Phil, CBS News, the Mercury News, and Wikipedia. And I got my info from an episode of Ice Cold Killers, KNBC 9 News, and Court Records. For a full list of our sources, visit lgtcpodcast.com. Any errors are, of course, ours. But please don't take our word for it. Go read their stuff. 